Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. I, I really want us to be a church that speak more positively to one another. A church that really stands beside one another and encourages one another in our journey of this thing we call faith. Yeah? That we would speak in ways to one another, that we build one another up in our love for Jesus. You are a gift from God. You are a gift from God. I hope you feel that this morning. Well, we've been in the book of Romans, haven't we, for the last couple of weeks? Simon reminded us of not being ashamed of the gospel. Um, in Romans 1, 16 and 17, where we, we heard that this gospel, and the gospel, in case you're going, what's this thing called the gospel? The gospel is this wonderful news about how God revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and dwelt amongst us. The gospel is about Jesus Christ, who taught us about the kingdom of heaven. The good news is about Jesus who went to the cross to pay a penalty for our sins. The good news is about Jesus who not only died on the cross but rose again. The good news is about Jesus Christ who appeared after dying, appeared to hundreds of people. The good news is about Jesus Christ who ascended and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. The good news is about Jesus Christ and God the Father who sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. This is the good news. That I'm talking about. And Simon talked about the good news and not being ashamed of this gospel because it's been revealed day after day after day. And then last week we went dark because we talked about the wrath of God, which has also been revealed. Romans 1:18 talks about the wrath of God being revealed. Isn't that interesting? In 117, the gospel's been revealed. And now in 118, the wrath of God's been revealed. These two things coexist and are happening now. So the wrath of God has been revealed against, it says in Romans 118, the wickedness and the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of humanity. That's by it's been revealed. And Paul goes at great stakes from Romans 1 verse 18 through to Romans 3 verse 20 to show us just how far we have fallen and shifted away from God as humanity. And then if you remember last week, we talked about three ways in which the book of Romans talks about how the wrath of God has been revealed today. Number one was universal death. And you have to go back to the creation narrative, right? To find that where that began, where Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God's command. And as a result of that, choices and consequences, the consequence was that they faced death. And we all face death. We can't walk away from it. It's in our faces. We're all going to face it one day. Universal death is one way that the wrath of God has been revealed against the unrighteousness and the wickedness of humanity. Remember the second way, universal futility. 
That's right. You go back to the Garden of Eden again, right? And, and we, we find that Adam and Eve now have to toil and work the earth in order to get their food. And of course, I mentioned any gardener understands what I'm talking about. You weed your garden next week, the weeds are back. It's futile. What a waste of time. Just poison the thing and get on with it. What's this thing of toiling in the garden week after week? I don't know. But, you know, like it's futile. We can plan for certain things and then we have a heart attack. We get sick. It's just this is futility. The wrath of God has been revealed through futility. And then the third one was universal depravity of humanity. And if you go and read a newspaper or you look at the TV, you get to see this stuff in reality, right? The world isn't getting better it's getting worse. Depravity. And so God's wrath has been revealed against the unrighteousness and the wickedness of humanity. And so we've sat for a week in this dark place. Sorry. But today, the sun will shine again. And you will feel the warmth of the sun on your back. It's like a new day dawning. Because a marked difference happens as we hit Romans 3, 21 to 31. We receive some hope. Sin has left us in glorious ruin and condemned us to death. But the grace of God is about to change all of that. Amen? For the first six years of his life, or in the 18th century, let's start there. The 18th century... A young boy was born into a Christian family, and for the first six years of his life, his parents loved him and nurtured him and taught him the scriptures about Jesus. And so he was immersed in the scriptures. But then suddenly his parents passed away, and he was handed off to relatives to live. Well, living with his relatives wasn't such a good space for this young boy, they abused him, they mistreated him, and they ridiculed him about the faith that he had in Jesus. And so over time, he lost his faith in Christ. And as he grew up as a young boy, he couldn't tolerate living with his relatives anymore, and so he took off and joined the Royal Navy. In the Navy, things for this boy went downhill. He was known as a brawler. He was whipped many times, and it said, you won't know what this is, so I'll explain it to you. He participated with some of his comrades in being keel-hauled. Let me tell you what that is. This ain't a lot of fun. This is a discipline against um, sailors who needed to be disciplined. What they do is they tie a rope under the boat, and then they tie a sailor to it, and they drag him from one side to the other. And they do that, or they do it from the front to the back. And because the boats were covered in barnacles, it would rip you to threads. And often you'd get sick or really damaged or you would die. That's called keel hauling. Not something we want to practice today. Finally, while he was still young, this young boy, he deserted the Navy and he fled to Africa. Where he attached himself to a Portuguese slave trader. There his life reached even lower points. It said that he actually even ate food on his hands and knees off the deck floor. 
So he escaped from that situation and, and joined another slave trader, where he became the first mate of the ship. I'm sure things were slightly better then, but no. The pattern of his life was so ingrained and so instilled in him that he just became worse and worse. It's said that he stole a bottle of whiskey and drank it and got so drunk he fell overboard, to which one of his sailing comrades picked up a harpoon and harpooned him in the water and pulled him back on board the boat. And so he carried a scar in the side of his body to remind him of just how far he had fallen from the grace of God. A scar that would remind him of the lowest point of his life. And then one day in the, in the midst of a, a storm, they're in the boat in the midst of a storm off the, Scot of, off the coast of Scotland. So bad is the storm that for a few days he's just been bailing water out of the boat to try and keep it afloat. And as he's doing that, the scriptures that his parents so lovingly poured into him when he was a tiny little toddler started coming back into his mind. And in that place, he surrendered his life to Jesus. And this new life that John Newton found is reflected in words that are so familiar to us. Shannon, can you throw that up? You can sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The grace of God is coming this morning, friends. The dawn of a new day. Let's read Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 21, right through to 31. But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who is justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God 
Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith? Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Wow. It's pretty rich, isn't it? (laughs) There's a lot of big words in there, isn't there? We're going to try and make this a little bit easier today. I'm going to focus on only a couple of verses today and not the whole thing. And hopefully in those couple of verses, we can encompass actually what Paul's trying to say in the space. And so the first thing we're going to look at, Shannon, can we put up the thanks, mate? God's saving righteousness is the first one. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The righteousness... This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's, um, let's try and get a couple of things straight in this as well. Because, you know, many people have come to faith. I remember sitting with my boys um, at Bay Park at Mount Monganui when there was this Christian thing going through the country where they were riding motorbikes up over things and doing all of these car tricks and all of that kind of fun stuff. And, and then at the end of it, the preacher would get up and, 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 and preach the gospel, which um, it was such a gospel that I asked my boys, let's just get up and go home. It was that kind of gospel because they, was, you know, they were preaching this thing where, hey, look, if you come down, we'll give you this gift. If, if you come here, you'll, you'll get this, you'll get that. It was all about what you could get. And, and they were handing out Bibles, and I was watching teenagers rip Bibles up in front of me, and I was thinking, this place isn't a good place to be for my boys. And I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could because, you know, Sometimes people turn to Jesus with the notion that actually giving my life to Jesus or becoming a Christian means that I will get what I always wanted. And if I come to Jesus, it means that I'll I'll get that stuff, you know? So if they wanted wealth, if you wanted wealth, then maybe you stop depending on yourself and by prayer and faith and obedience, you depend on Jesus to make you rich. If you wanted to be healthy, you know, you, you turn from human cures and, and you turn to Jesus for the source of your health. Or maybe you wanted to escape the pain of hell. And so you turn to Jesus for this escape. If you wanted peace in your, of your conscience and freedom from guilt feelings, then maybe you turn to Jesus for these things. In other words, sometimes people become Christians and in this way of seeing things, it's to have, they still have the same desires they had before they didn't know Jesus. They're just getting them from a new source, which is Jesus. I want to remind you that when you come to Jesus, it, it's actually a bigger change in our lives than that. When you come to Jesus the way that I've just put it, there's no change at the bottom of your heart and no change in your cravings. You're just shopping at a new store. That's not true salvation. When you come to Jesus, everything changes. You hunger for the pearl of great price. You surrender everything, every molecule, every blood vessel, everything you surrender it to Jesus. You don't come to him 
expecting to fulfill all your desires that you had before you came to him. Because true salvation changes at the very core and foundation. It changes who you are. The true gospel, the good news of Jesus, displays the righteousness of God. And the gospel reveals that righteousness. Romans 1.17 For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. It is by faith. If you look at Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We receive this faith in Christ by By faith, not by works. Jesus was walking with his disciples in John 6, and his disciples go, Jesus, what is it that we have to do to do the works of God? And Jesus turns to his friends, he looks them in the eyes, and he says, all you have to do is to believe in the one whom he sent. It's faith in Christ. Not by works. It's the object of your faith that's important. It's Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, he said this. He said, it's not your hope in Jesus that saves you. It's Jesus. He said, it's not your joy in Jesus that saves you. It's Jesus. He says, it's not your faith in Jesus that saves you, though this is the instrument. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you. We're all sinners and in need of Christ's saving blood. The gossiper, the liar, the murderer, the cheat, all fall short of God's glory. And so do we. I wondered if we played a game as a church. If I said to you, let's play jump to Rangitoto. And we go down to Murray's Bay Wharf. Now, you would have seen that on TV years ago. That everyone used to dress up and try and fly off the wharf to see how far they could fly. Well, imagine if we went down to that wharf and we're going to play this game, Jump to Rangitoto. And so we get there to the wharf and everyone gets back at the end of the wharf and makes a big run at it and leaps off the wharf. What a stupid game, right? No one can jump to Rangitoto. It's an impossible jump. But what say... You jump further than someone else. What say I jump further than you? And then I say this. I say, well, I jump further than you, therefore I'm better than you. I'm much better off than you are because I can jump further than you. Well, the point is that no one can jump the Rangitoto, right? Well, the point is none of us come up to the glory of God. Here's the second verse we want to rely on today. Thanks, Shannon. God's righteousness is revealed through Christ's sacrifice. Romans 3, 24 to 26. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, in his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have, who have faith in Jesus. Understand this. God is the sole architect of salvation. He is the one who is able to save today. No religion can save you. No church can save you. I can't boast when you come to Christ because it is Christ who brings you to faith. And Christ alone. I've heard people say, I gave my life to Jesus. And though I get the sentiment of it, I actually don't think it's quite right. Because you can't give God anything to earn salvation. What in fact you're doing, you receive salvation by surrendering to the gift that God is giving. It's a total surrender. You don't give Him anything. You surrender everything. And so I surrendered my life to Jesus. I didn't give him my life. I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And he bestowed upon me salvation. There's nothing you can do but receive it by faith. His justifying of us, his making us righteous, it comes through Christ. Paul writes that God put Jesus' son forward. Now, here's a couple of words for you. Propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. Good word, isn't it? Propitiation comes from the Greek word or the Greek term hilistorian. Everyone say hilistorium. These are big words. What it means is a sacrifice of atonement. A sacrifice of atonement. Propitiation, her historian, a sacrifice of atonement. God literally gave Jesus over as the blood sacrifice to pay the debt of our sins. The word historian is used in Hebrews 9.5 as well to describe what's called the mercy seat. Now the mercy seat is the place on the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was placed to atone for sin. And, and you'll find that in Exodus 25 if you want to read that. And so here we have God expressing all of his righteous anger against our sin on Jesus, who is on the cross. The cross now becomes the mercy seat where Jesus dies, paying the price that we owed him for. This gift of the sacrifice of God's own son to atone for our sin, must be received through faith. And it is a gift. Paul will clarify this even more as we keep going through the book of Romans. Why did God do this for us? Why would he do this for us? Because of God's righteousness and his justice. God doesn't say your sins don't matter. He doesn't say I'll just ignore sin. He fully poured out his justice against sin when his sinless son, Jesus, was sacrificed on the cross. Paul talks about here in this verse about the sins of the past. These are the sins of those who were before Christ. 
And he writes that God passed over those sins, those previous sins, in an act of divine patience and perfect timing. It's not that God has failed to punish the sins of old. It's just that he stored it up for that moment when Christ would be the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. Where it would be fully satisfied upon the cross for the sins of the past and for ours. Mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. What grace, what amazing love. Where there's no, absolutely no way of saving ourselves. And isn't that what Paul has just gone pains to explain? We are so far away from God, given over to our own sins. There is no way of saving ourselves. There is no escape from God's wrath. And then God opens the way through His Son. His way, His plan, His Son, His sacrifice, His gift. What has saved us? Faith and faith alone. Salvation is 100% God's gift to us. We can't escape God's wrath by doing what God requires or what the law requires. We can't do it. We can only come by faith. Whoever you are, whatever your history Whatever your background, whatever you have done or not done, there's only one possible way that you can be made right with God. And that is Jesus. Believe in Him. Call out to Him. And be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for shining on us this morning. Thank you for shining your gift of grace upon us. It is mind-blowing, Lord, that you, a righteous God, would find a way for us to have relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you would think us worthy enough to give your life for. And that's what you did. We didn't deserve it. We didn't ask for it. But Lord, you gave it freely. And we are grateful today to sit here as sons and daughters of the living God, saved, made righteous through the blood of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, empowered to live a life that will honor and please our Father in heaven. So, Father, we say thank you for your gift of life. We receive that gift again freely this morning. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for joining with us today. 
If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.